Alright folks, this is take two of the Ring of Discussions podcast. When I have an amazing guest today, I'll have Vaughn Vertigo on the show. Yes folks, the Canadian superstar uh, from uh Canada. Uh, yes, I want you guys to know more about Vaughn, and I'm actually just learning more about Vaughn, and uh, I cannot wait to have him uh, explain more about his origins and why he got into wrestling, and you know more on that once we get to it. But before I get on with that, go follow me on Twitter. Why am I telling me to go follow myself on Twitter? You go follow Vaughn on Twitter, on Instagram. Where can they reach you, Vaughn? Absolutely. You can find me at Not Enough Vaughn on Twitter. Uh, you can find me on Facebook at Von Vertigo. You can find me on Instagram at Von Vertigo. And, uh, and if you want to go check out some of my matches, I have a few free matches on YouTube, also under Von Vertigo. Alrighty, folks. There you go. That's how you can reach Vaughn. And uh, we're just going to jump right on into the show. I'll talk about Twitter. You guys know where to get the Twitter. It's in the bio. You guys know. Just click on it. Should take it straight there. Same with Instagram at T Hudson 3RD. Again, at T Hudson 3RD. That is the official Ring of Discussions TV Twitter as well as the Instagram. So let's just head right on into the show. So, Vaughn, how are you doing today? Express to the fans how you're feeling today. Uh, I'm doing pretty well. I'm a little, a little sore today, but, uh, you know, it's, it's nothing out of the ordinary. All right. So, soreness is that from uh, the match or is that from uh, working out? Yeah, I guess, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, how, are you, how are you doing today? I am doing awesome, and that feels so good to have somebody else ask me on the show, how am I doing today? I am hey, doing... It's all about me, man. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it's awesome. I'm having an awesome day. Uh, I have the pleasure to sit down with you, and I have the honor to sit down with you. It's uh, it's honor to sit down with uh, the men and women of the wrestling industry on my show. Um, you know, have the different perspectives, whether you're inside of the ring, backstage, um, a ring announcer. I've had, you know, many people come on the show, and having you on the show is just another addition in making, you know, my dream as well as many listeners around the world's uh, dream come true. So I thank you for coming on the show. I thank you for taking your time out of your evening, out of your day to come on to the show. So thank you. No, I mean, absolutely, man. I mean, we, we all want to support uh, wrestling in general, whether that be WWE, whether that be New Japan Pro Wrestling, uh, whether that be independent wrestling. We all want to see it grow. So I, I'm more than happy to do this. Yes, uh, and growth and independent wrestling and wrestling in general is the point of today's show, but I also want to deep uh, down in the box of uh, who Von Vertigo is. So explain to me where you grew up, uh, your upbringings, explain to me the origins of Von Vertigo. For sure, I mean, so I grew up about an hour outside of Toronto in a town called Port Hope. Uh, I lived there pretty much my whole life. Uh, I got involved, well, sorry, I started watching wrestling when I was about 10. Uh, that was due to a friend who actually, aunt, was Trish Stratus. Um, wow. Yeah, so that was pretty weird. Uh, I didn't really know, like, he always, he always talked about his aunt being Trish Stratus, and I didn't really, like, know how big of a deal that was until I became a wrestling fan. And it was really because of the, the SmackDown vs. Raw games that actually drew me to it. Because uh, I would, I would go and I'd rent it from, uh movie gallery or blockbuster and then i got super into it and then eventually ended up following up by watching the tv show weekly and uh judging by the look on your face i can i can imagine you like these back games. okay 
Uh, I just gotta say this really, really quick. Uh, that's the reason why I'm doing this show. That game is the reason why I am, you know, having conversations with people in the industry like you, with people, just the industry in general. So it's glad to hear another person's perspective about that game or just to hear about that game from a wrestler, pro wrestler's mouth. I never hear about that game, but continue. Yeah, man, that was, that was really what drew me to it. I, I, was, a, I was a big gamer as a kid. Um, I never really thought about wrestling. And then I started, a friend of mine made me uh, rent the game from a Blockbuster. And yeah, I, I got super into it. I, uh, I wanted to know like what the origins of all these guys were. So I'd, I'd hop on YouTube, and this is when you was a little bit, it was pretty new, so it wasn't too much on it. But, you know, I looked up uh, Jeff Hardy. I looked up Shawn Michaels, and I looked up the origin of where they came from. Um, and Jeff Hardy was really the one that really stuck to me as a kid. Uh, so I ended up watching uh, Monday Night Raw, Friday Night SmackDown, occasionally watching ECW. Um, and yeah, eventually when I turned 14, I uh, found out a school in Toronto called Square Circle Training. Uh, it was ran by Rob Fuego, who was infamous for being trained a lot in the same class as uh, Edge and Christian under Ron Hutchinson. Um, went to train under him when I was 14, which is pretty rare. I, I, a lot of people don't start before they're 18 in Canada. It's very common in England, but not so common over here. Um, started training I was super small it took me a long time to get used to things I didn't actually end up debuting um, until I was actually 17 I think they were kind of worried because of my size they didn't want me to get hurt which is totally fair looking back I mean <laughs> I was so tiny when I started wrestling training I don't, I don't blame them at all um, but yeah ever since uh, I'm 23 now um, I've been doing shows, shows since I was 17 now Wow, so uh, you talked about doing training so young. I mean, we all do basketball, we do collegiate wrestling, we do all these other sports, but you entered into the world of pro wrestling at 14 years old. Tell me a little bit more about that experience. How was the school life? Were you telling people, hey guys, I'm training to be a pro wrestler? So, so that's the thing. I mean, um, when, from when I was 10 to 14, I was actually backyard wrestling, uh, whether that be in my basement, or I guess my basement's not really a backyard, but uh, it, basement for a little bit, and then my parents actually got me a trampoline, so I started doing trampoline wrestling, which I, I, I refer to as backyard wrestling. Um, but yeah, so when I started training, I was, I was 14, I was in, I guess I was in the middle of grade nine. So the only people I let in on uh, that I was training was just like my closest friends who I knew liked wrestling. I didn't want anybody else to know. I think that was partially because I was a little bit insecure, and I didn't want people to think things about me, and you know, I just I didn't want people to look at me as like, oh, this guy's trying to become a wrestler. Like, he's not going to go anywhere with it. I knew when I came out about it, I wanted to be actually doing shows and like, actually have something to show for it, right? Um, but yeah, like, I kept that secret pretty much for everyone. But thankfully, like, wrestling really uh, kind of opened my confidence, essentially. By the time I debuted, I was like, I was fully committed to letting everybody know that I was a wrestler and I was way more confident in who I was. So, how was everybody's reaction? Um, I mean, I was a pretty small guy in high school, so a lot of people were pretty shocked. Um, some people had heard rumors that I was doing something, but they weren't really sure what it was. I mean, I I was a bit more open about being a wrestling fan than I was uh, being uh, a wrestling uh, wrestler training. Uh, but yeah, I mean, a lot of people had definitely mixed reactions, but thankfully my parents were the ones who were always supportive of me. And the training school was actually about an hour and a half from where I grew up, so my dad would have to drive me on the weekends to go train and until I got my uh, license, of course. Wow. So price-wise, 
Uh, I've seen many wrestling schools that are a little bit on the expensive side, at least from a high schooler's point of view. Even if yes. you have a job, it's still a bit on the expensive side. So express to me, how was that paid for? Parents, you had a job. How was that paid for? So uh, the way that worked is I believe at the time, I believe it was two grand a year for training. Um, I actually lucked out because there was a guy in my town who also was training to become a wrestler. Um, and I ended up going with him. He never ended up sticking with it. But we actually got this deal where we got to split the two grand and a half. We each paid a grand. Um, thankfully, my parents were actually the ones who actually ended up paying for that. Wow. Because they, they, I was never one who, I, I was never one to do extracurriculars. So this was, they knew they I needed to do something in high school. And they knew I wasn't going to be playing basketball or hockey or anything like that. So I, I think they, they saw it as an investment for me to not be, I was sitting on my ass playing video games, essentially. Yeah, I, I understand, but that video game plan got to where you are now. Am I correct? I mean, that SVR, that that right there, that exposure. Yeah, that's so true. It, it, it did get me to it, yeah. for sure. Yeah. So, uh, you got into the wrestling industry at, a, my gosh, a very, very young age uh, compared to many of those that, you know, have gotten... Um, into the world, you know, whether it be 30 or 20 years old or whatever, you just gotten at a very early time. So with getting in at an early time and getting that early exposure, the evolution of wrestling, you know, what has gotten to now? Can you talk about me, your step-by-step journey or a synopsis or a summary um, or a story in general of, you know, your journey from where you began to where you are now, um, you know, once you made your debut, talk about your debut. Talk about those that that first match of jitters. I think I'm asking too much now, but you know I want to yeah, yeah, really sure. dig I, deep. I think I think I got the juice here. Um, I mean, when I was 14, like I'd help uh, I'd help out the local shows. They used to run uh, Maximum Pro Run, uh, otherwise known as uh, Blood Sweat and Ears shows in uh, in and around Toronto. And I used to go and help out when I was 14, and that was like. Completely different experience. I didn't really know indie wrestling was a thing. I just knew that there was this training place, but I didn't know there were really these shows happening. Um, so I'd go to these shows, and I would do whatever I could to help out. I'd do security, even though I was tiny. Um, I'd bring the bell. I'd film the show. I'd do the music. I'd help set up the ring. I'd help tear down the ring. I'd be a referee. I'd be essentially whatever was needed at the time. Um, so eventually that paid off in the sense of me actually getting an actual match. And by the time that happened, I was like... Not to say, I, I kind of had a chip on my shoulder because I kept seeing all these guys who were 25, 26, 27 passing me by and getting their opportunities before me. And I kind of kept wondering to myself, like, well, when my opportunity going to come? Um, which kind of kept me work harder, essentially. Uh, so eventually I got the opportunity. I was super, super nervous. Uh, I was offered the opportunity. It was July 20th, 2013. And I was on vacation until July 22nd, 2013. So I literally like begged my parents. I was like, "Please, can we come back early from this vacation? I need to. I need to have my first match." Um, thankfully, my aunt was actually at the uh, uh, on vacation with as well. She she offered to drop me back early so I could have my first match. But like, it meant so much to me to have that first match, you know. So you talked about that. Uh, sounds like a Home Alone style. We got to rush to make sure that. Uh, you yes. get to your debut, not just any wrestling event, but y- your debut. I want to talk about that emotion that you felt during your debut. What was that like? Uh, it was pretty nerve-wracking. 
to walk in front of a crowd for the first time is pretty pretty scary. But on the other hand, at that mo- at that time, I'd already been in front of audiences so much because I was doing I was being a referee or I was being whatever was needed. So I had a little bit of comfort. Um, but I knew when I got out there, I could sh- I could show everybody that I could go. Uh, but like it's that moment. <laughs> it's like that those those hours before you walk out around the curtain or out through the curtain rather that are the most stressful because you're just so worried that something's gonna go wrong or whatever. But as soon as you come through that curtain, you're like, okay, I can I can do this. You need to calm yourself down. Um, but I was I was pretty happy with how it went. I think the forty or fifty so fans in the attendance were at least you know pleased with what they saw. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, uh, I mean, you're still doing it today, and uh, it seems like you're, you've created a fan base behind you, so those 40 or 50 people have expanded, you know, beyond belief. So that's, you know, that that first experience must have been, you know, uh, really, really awesome. Again, it's the first experience, from what I'm hearing at least. It's yeah. a first experience, but not really, but it also is. It's your first time when all eyes are on you, you know. When yeah, and you know, you know you have to get that out of the way in order to get better, essentially. You have to know, like, it, it takes a long time and a lot of matches like, start getting comfortable. But hmm. you never also, you also don't want to get too comfortable. Because when you're too comfortable, that's when you feel like you're not working hard enough. So, we've discussed your debut, and we're slowly, it seems like we're slowly creeping into your... Uh, not necessarily your longevity, but your uh, career-wise in wrestling. Explain to the listeners as well as myself uh, how the different things you've had to come through, you've had to go through on your career. You know, I, another question I like to also ask is road life. How is that? And you know, make parallels to you know how that may affect you in the ring or something like that. Something along those lines. For sure, there's a very. Uh famous quote by someone who I don't actually can't really remember, but he's a, he's a musician, right? They don't pay you for uh, the work you do on stage. They pay you for the travel, right? Um, obviously, that was a really bad quote because I can't exactly remember what it was <laughs> <I> understand. <laughs> in my opinion, like, it's the, it is sitting in the cars that actually, like, hurts my body the most because you're stuck in a position for three four hours. And especially in Canada, the cities are so spread out. Uh, in the states, it's a little bit easier. In some cases, if you're looking at the northeast, because all the um, all the cities are close together, uh, the road life it really varies where you're going. I mean, in some cases, the road life can be the best part uh, because sometimes you get to travel with these people who you have common interests right with, and you know, it's the it's the camaraderie of being with those people. You know, you're traveling. <laughs> Uh, with five guys and five sweaty guys in a car squished in there together, you know, uh, listening to music, uh, playing games, talking about whatever. Um, you know, that's probably the fun of it. Well, that's pretty, pretty darn neat. Now, um, ah, there's so many questions I want to ask. I'm trying to figure out which ones I want to get to first. So I want to talk about life as a canadian citizen although i am right across the water i do not know uh how it is so let me know about how life is in canada and you know uh maybe get a little bit more deeper on um your upbringing in canada how that may have affected you in the ring positive or negative 
I mean, Canada for sure is it's a very it's very similar to America, but I almost feel like it's a hybrid of England and uh, America combined. Um, I mean, there's not really too many differences from the states, other than you know we're above you and you guys are below us. But uh, I mean, I've spent um, a lot of time in the states as well. But um, growing up here, I mean, I very much enjoyed it. In terms of wrestling, there's so many credible Canadian wrestlers that have come out of here. But lately, it's been more of an issue for us crossing the border into the States. Uh, a lot of guys have had issues crossing um, because it's really, really hard to get a work visa to wrestle in the States, and a lot of companies don't have the money to pay for it. So lately, it's been a lot harder to get noticed in Canada. Um, so a lot of Canadian wrestlers now are looking beyond that. They're looking to get into Japan. They're looking to get into the U.K., uh, in Europe in general, mainly. So, if you don't mind me asking, where's your trajectory going? Are you aiming for Japan? Are you aiming for the U.S.? Are you aiming for the U.K.? What is your goal? What is the future of Von Vertigo? I'm asking this very early. The norm, what I want to ask since we're on this topic. For sure. I mean, right now, my trajectory right now is the U.K. I've, I've made three trips over in the past two years just trying to get on bigger shows to get exposed. And man, the scene over there is it's it's incredible. Um, they don't <laughs> they don't realize how good they have it, man. Like the show, like, like the, the England is so small that there's so many shows running. You look, you look at like a, a schedule, and there's like twelve shows running in like a two hour radius. In Canada, like there's maybe two running in a two hour radius. Like it's it's <laughs> it's pretty ridiculous. Um, but that's where everybody is. Like you walk to a locker room over there, and you see, oh, there's a Japanese talent, there's a Spanish talent, uh, there's an American talent, there's an Irish talent. Like everybody in the world is over there right now, and there's this long list of people trying to get on all these shows, and they're all credible. Every single one of them should be there, but there's just so much talent that it, it, it takes a long time to get on the bigger shows over there, like Rev Pro and uh, um, this is like Progress. So for any aspiring wrestlers out there, for any teenagers that, like uh, like the two of us that have played SVR as children, inspired, uh, you know, what they want to do someday in the industry, what are some words of encouragement uh, when it comes to getting yourself out there like you have yourself? I think the first thing when you first get in the industry is to keep your mouth shut, but keep your ears open. Because a lot of people are going to tell you a lot of different things. It's hard to understand. Like, it's going to be overwhelming how much to tell you, and you're not, you're not going to know what direction to go. Um, in the end, you just kind of have to just do what you can to get out there. Like, it's hard to explain. Um, sorry, what was the question again? Can you, you reword that? Okay, so we were talking about the scene in the UK and how there are yes. so many credible talents out there and mm-hmm. the people that should be, you know, uh, in, in greater positions than what they have been seen in, if you know what I mean, if you're getting to my level on this one. Um, yeah, I mean... How would you, as a wrestler, how did you navigate and how would you tell others to navigate when it comes to getting yourself out there and exposing yourself and creating a fan base and creating the possibility of somebody calling you and asking for you to try out or possibly uh, be on their show? 
the first thing definitely is you need to because when, when you come out of wrestling training you may only have one company that you work because a lot of wrestling training places have um a, a show associated with it so the first thing you got to do is you for sure got to go out to whatever companies are around you and go out and help out because the most important thing is connections right um so you got to make connections with the right guys so you got to you got to seek out the people um look for like the mentality make sure they watch your matches make sure that they know who you are and that you keep showing face around them um and for me like i was doing that for years i was doing whatever i could to uh get on as many shows as i could and then when i started getting all these shows then it was about trying to stand out trying to make a name for yourself trying to be consistent with what you do and trying to be uh trying to not, not, not necessarily be part-time on these shows, but you want to be on every single one of those shows. So what I did after, after I felt that I was pretty comfortable in Ontario is I started reaching out to um, new territories. I, I did a few shows in the States, luckily. Um, <laughs> and then I reached out to England and because I, I, I knew in the back of my mind I want to get to England. Okay, so what best way I can do this? And thankfully, I knew somebody online who ran a show um, so I reached out to him. I said, hey, like, if I come over, would you be able to put me on your show? He said, yeah, I'll, let you, I'll even let you stay here. Um, so I went out there, and then I, I took whatever I could there. Because I, I knew if I messaged, like, Progress or Ref Pro or anything like that, they're going to be like, okay, well, who are you, essentially? I knew if I got there and started showing what I could do, um, then people would pick up on it. And uh, just, just as recently as um, this third trip I did, I was able to wrestle for IPW, and IPW... It's a company I've followed for a long time. I remember I would sit on my computer and watch El Generico versus Pack from there. One of my favorite matches from IPW. Um, and thankfully, I was able to. Even, just with, it's funny how like the use of social media can get you somewhere. Um, I was following IPW for years. Uh, I'd always tweet about uh, wrestling and, and whatnot. And um, eventually, I found that IPW was having the IPW Invitational. Now. They were asking for wrestlers all over the world for this invitational. I, I put my name in, and uh, it just so happened that when I was over in the UK for the third time, they were having the invitational, so they, they were able to put me in the invitational, which was a really big deal for me because IBW was a company I always thought I'd wanted to work for because of Generico and Pack and Kevin Steen and Claudio Cascanoli and Chris Hero and all these guys who worked there. Wow. So you, uh, what definitely caught me is how you promoted yourself and how you pushed yourself out there to eventually work for uh, IPW. Now, with that in mind, uh, tell me about and and tell the viewers more importantly about who the Vaughn Vertigo uh, character is. Who are you? You know, go into deeper detail on what makes Vaughn Vertigo Vaughn Vertigo. To me, Von Virgo is, I mean, the way I've always been. I've always been smaller. It's its always been this desire, this endeavor to get better. Um, but its I've always been met with setbacks. And these setbacks have always, you know, kind of kept me grounded. But it's always that I've been trying to get. Oh, you're breaking up. Um, I always want to. Are you fine? We're good. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah, I just broke um, up a little bit. It's, it's this chip on my shoulder 
that. The Von Vertigo, Von Vertigo is really just a chip on my shoulder. It's uh, it's this arrogant prick who just needs to <laughs> do whatever, like take any opportunity he can um, to get his way, essentially. Things that I want to talk about, um, especially about what you just went into, and that is... Um, smaller stature wrestlers um, yes. are more predominant now than ever before. Uh, For sure. What do you think caused that evolution? What do you and how do you? What do you think the Vaughn? How I'm trying to figure out how to work this. Where does Vaughn Vertigo fall to on the spectrum of? Um, how the evolution began or how, you know, all the, you know, uh, not so big and brawny guys, you know, how we're looking yeah. for focusing more on the smaller guys. Tell me more about, you for know, sure. how your role plays in that. And I think partially when I started training when I was 14, that was still around because I know that the guys around me, some of them were still, um, it's not as prominent anymore, but some people were still taking steroids to get bigger and to get that look. And a lot, yeah, a lot of the guys that needed to be around me were a lot bigger than me. And I think that's why I didn't get my opportunity um, until I was 17 because they wanted me to get a little bit bigger first. Um, it, it, you look like Daniel Bryan, he was one of the first guys I saw uh, from Ring of Honor that really stood out to me because he was just this, he was small, but he kicked ass, you know? Like, he just had this mean streak about him. Um, in terms of where I fall, I, I look at myself as kind of a kind of a Jeffy, kind of a Shawn Michaels, uh, kind of a Chris Jericho, a lot of comparisons, kind of a Brian Kendrick. Uh, Brian Kendrick is one of my favorite wrestlers as well. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I'm very thankful for the way wrestling has changed because I mean, a lot of uh, smaller guys would not be able to get the opportunities uh, that we have now. Wow, that's uh, that's amazing. This is um, I've never had, although I've I've had a, a prior interview that was uh, similar when it came to stature wise. I'm hearing it from another perspective. Is uh, and going more in depth, it's definitely uh, opening up new doors and definitely up for discussions because, folks, this is the Ring of Discussions podcast. So hopefully that'll become uh, that'll be a topic for uh, another day. Uh, but I uh, want to talk about um, some titleship, or titleship, my gosh, championship wins and some title wins that you've had. If you've had um, any that have, you know, changed your, uh, that have changed your life, whether that be inside or outside of the ring, you know, um, how is it? I've never asked that question before. How is it to win your first title? How was it to win your first title? Well, uh, for starters, there are, my first tag team, or sorry, my first championship win was with my tag team partner, Gabriel Forza. Um And we actually were not told we were winning. <laughs> it was uh, it was actually a rib pulled on us. Um, we were told that we were, uh, were taking the pin and that we were... We, first of all, we went to the match thinking, oh, like, we have to win the championships now. This is, like, there's no other opportunity. Like, this, this is the time it has to be. Um, and then in the match, we pin a guy, and the guy doesn't kick out, and we're like, uh... Oh no! Uh, we like look. We like you watch it back, and we look at each other, and we're like, "Oh shit, what happened? Oh no!" But like we're trying to like 
masked that by with excitement because we just won the championship. But in the back of our mind, we're like, oh no, something went wrong. Oh, this is the worst. Um, and we got to the back and like everyone's yelling at us. Everyone's like, what happened, guys? Why, why didn't he kick out? I'm like, oh, that's not my, that's not my problem. He was supposed to kick out. Um, but thankfully, he ended up being a rip. They, they held it off for about four minutes and they let us know. But uh, that was an interesting experience. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Because it wasn't, it was our first championship win, but our reaction was very, uh, very real. But on one hand, we knew that when we got in the back, we were going to get in trouble. Wow. I, I, that's the one thing I always wondered. I'm like, okay, so let's say a, a championship win were to accidentally happen. What happens yeah. backstage? And then I, I didn't think exactly. that people would be like, oh my God, what that, well, why is this happening? Yada, 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 yada. Uh, I, yeah. So thankfully they were all joking with us. That was what was supposed to happen. They just didn't let us in on it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> they knew, they knew that we would react that way. So. So, have you ever seen that experience, or have you ever had that experience, and when uh, either you witnessed it or it's happened to you, uh, when that does happen in a match, legitimately? Uh, in, in terms of when something like that goes wrong, or yes. the, the finish gets messed up? Yeah. Yes. Um, I mean, it's definitely happened to pretty much everyone. It's just one of those things where you, if, if it's, uh, I mean, thankfully it normally happens in regular matches. It's just one of those things that just kind of comes to the trade, like, in the back of your, like, up front, you're like, oh, man, like, that could have been so much better, but, you know, like, the ref messed up, or the ref counted three when he was supposed to count three, but, you know, like, what we do is live, you can't change that, uh, you kind of just have to go with the flow. Hmm. All right, well, uh, there is something that I really, really want to get into, uh, and I find this to be very, very important. I've never gotten this perspective. Uh, we've talked about it very, very briefly, but I want to get deeper into it. Explain more uh, about the inside or the outside, whatever fans see or what happens backstage. Explain to me more about the uh, the Canadian uh indie circuit or just wrestling in general yeah i mean um i like to think in the past say five six years that it's really really started to amp up um because i know when i was 14 15 i'd see the people coming into the shows and it was 40 50 60 people um and even when i debuted it was like 40 or 50 people but man like these shows now like 150 people is a bad draw. Um, you look at a company like C4, they consistently hit about 450 to 600 people on a Friday night, and that's in Ottawa. Um, and then there's other companies like Smash and uh, Destiny and Alpha One. They're all you know hitting 300 people, and that's really really good industry. Because um, just five years ago, it wasn't really like that. Wow. And then of course like. There's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of really 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 good talent up here. There's guys like Tyson Dukes. There's guys like Josh Alexander. Guys like Kobe Jarrett. All these guys who are absolute workhorses who deserve to be everywhere in the world. I, if you look at it, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Speedball Mike Bailey, um, but he's a guy you should definitely look out for. He was absolutely killing it, killing it in Canada, and he finally got an opportunity to wrestle for PWG. 
Wow. Out in California. But thankfully, or not thankfully, something went wrong because um, he didn't have a work visa. He ended up getting banned from the States. Uh, so he ended up having to, he got banned for, I don't, I'm not really sure, a few years or something. He ended up having to go to Japan. He went up to the UK. But now he's working for DDT in Japan, all over the UK. Um, absolutely killing it. But there's a lot of guys back here in Canada who deserve that opportunity. Guys like Josh Alexander, uh, Texas Dukes. Well, I guess things happen for a reason. Uh, and with that, you know, the uh, unable to come to America and him going to Japan and uh, wrestling in DDT. Now, we talked about him. I want to get more in-depth on you. What is the future of Vertigo? What is the future of Vaughn Vertigo? Uh, you know, wrestling and beyond. For sure. I mean, uh, I, I just turned 23. Um, I guess in the back of my mind, I always thought I'd be much further than I am now, but I've, you know, nobody to blame from, but myself for that. Um, now it's the focus on getting more out there and building a bigger brand. I want to be uh, featured on bigger shows in the UK. Uh, I want to, you know, maybe uh, be able to, I want to go down to like some Ring of Honor trial camps. I want to go to um, maybe do some WWE extra work. I, I just want to branch out a little bit more now that I'm more confident. But uh, my main focus right now is to get, uh, to become more of a, a name in the UK, essentially. Wow. <clears throat> so uh, with all that in mind, uh, I feel like I've, I've gotten uh, quite a bit, and I hope the fans have gotten quite a bit of who you are. Uh, uh, the one thing I do like to always ask, though, before I do close out the show is words of encouragement to the the fans uh to the audience to the to the listeners across the world um whether this is the first time you've been listening to thing wrestling related um or there have you know been fans since they were children uh what are some words of encouragement for achieving their dream because it seems as though you've achieved a, a piece of your dream at least from what i'm hearing uh i'm working on it i mean uh, i'm not there yet um but hopefully eventually ask me again in 10 years <laughs> um in terms of words of encouragement, like, just, uh, you gotta wait things out, because on the surface, some things might not pan out the way you want it to, but down the road, if you keep consistent, um, good things will happen. I mean, there's been so many times, uh, when I was 14, 15, 16, 18, a year ago, I wanted to quit wrestling. It happens all the time, it happens to everyone, uh, but you know that if you working hard and you keep doing what you can and just you know getting your name out there and and to do absolutely everything under under the sun essentially to get to uh uh achieve what you want then it will happen um yeah i'd say the main thing is really just just keep being consistent with what you do Wow, uh, very inspiring and very truthful. Brutal, like a, it's it's good honesty to you know express that, uh, make things come true, um, and I feel that again. I've covered uh, a lot. I think we've covered a lot in this past thirty-five minutes and thirty seconds and counting. Uh, I wasn't even looking at the the clock because uh, this was just such an interesting um talk, and I hope to have you on the show again one day soon, Vaughn. Yeah, uh, 
yeah, I uh, cannot wait to see the, your growth. I'm already seeing your growth on uh, social media. I, I can't wait to see uh, things further than this. So um, I wish you luck. And uh, if you want to let the fans know once more your uh, where they can reach you at, whether that be website-wise, uh, Instagram, social media-wise. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this has been really fun, so I, I thank you for that. And uh, I always enjoy talking about wrestling in general or, uh, and whatnot. But um, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at NotEnoughFawn, uh, Instagram VaughnVertigo, Facebook VaughnVertigo. And uh, I have a, a bunch of matches up on my YouTube account that you're welcome to check out whenever. Alright, thank you again, Vaughn, for coming on to the show. As usual, to all the guests that come on the show, it's been a special honor having you on, and I cannot wait to have you on in the future. Sounds good. Thanks so much, man. I can't wait. Alrighty. You have a great day, man. You too. Alright. Alright, folks. So, we are going to be logging off soon. Uh, I hope you all enjoyed today's show with Vaughn Vertigo. If you guys haven't checked out uh, any other previous episodes, you guys can go check that out. But, primarily, watch this episode. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed it. Again, for the million gazillionth time, you can go follow The Ring of Discussions Twitter at T-Hunter30. Same goes for Instagram. And uh, I cannot wait to catch you guys soon. I'll catch you guys on the flip side. I'm your host of The Ring of Discussions podcast your triple crown tri-national hardcore cruiserweight champion podcaster of the world truman the third i will see you all later